Welcome to Linux Link Radio by TimeSys, the podcast for embedded Linux developers who want to simplify and speed up their custom platform development. Visit timesys.com today for access to our podcast archives. Hi there. Welcome to Linux Link Radio. I'm here with uh, Jeremiah Lott. Hello. Hi, and uh, today we're going to talk about, uh, I guess, poor man's profiling. As I think what we, in the five minutes of planning we did for today's podcast, I think is what we're going to call it. And uh, Jeremiah's sitting in because Mache is, is out. He is in France again. He had a training class. Like it, this was on Friday and Monday. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, in the south of France. Yes, in yeah, the south of France. Horrible. So, and he's, of course, he is crushed uh, that he has to be there. So, I know I missed the last uh, podcast because I was out in in, in Boston, and uh, so that's where I got sent. I got sent to I got sent to Boston, and then Maji gets to go to the south of France. So that's how it works. But you know, on my way back, so get this. So on my way back, this eventually leads to an embedded Linux story. Okay. I promise. Maybe so. Anyway, so on my way back, so I I, I went and you know my kids are hey whatever, and, and the of course you know it's Pittsburgh, right? So it's like it doesn't snow. But we get like crappy, sleety stuff. So we take the car to the car wash, right? So okay. because that in itself is its own form of entertainment. <laughs> yes, it, yeah. it, it yeah. is. Anyway, so, so anyway, so we go there, and I have this this slip with this little magic number on it. So I go up to the thing, and I punch my number in, and and it said it doesn't work. This okay. is uh, uh, oh bummer, right? And so uh, so I figure, okay, never. Problem. I press the cancel button and started feeding money into it, and all of a sudden it reboots. And so you see, you see the yo know, Athlon AMD blah, 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 processor. I'm like, okay, running 3D6 Target. That's pretty interesting. I wonder what OS it is. And you can see it chug and chug, chug. And then there I see it. You know, Windows XP. <laughs> <laughs> and so by this time, so the thing rebooted. I'm sitting in the in the car, and uh, and my kids are entertained to no end. And there's you know cars behind me, whatever, starting to get kind of frustrated because I'm too dumb. Right from their perspective, I'm too dumb to operate the machine, which maybe is true. I don't know. Could be. And of course, it starts up and it says, you know, SVC host.exe illegal exception. So, lots of people are probably familiar with that message. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. So, so those that are stuck doing, never mind. So, and I uh, said, so, okay, that's an interesting message. I don't know how to fix that. So, I go in and uh, I finally get out of the car and I like wave to the guy behind me who's starting to get steamed or whatever and he's smiling. So, I go in and talk to the people on the counter and said, hey, the car wash crashed um, and, and, and it took two bucks off me. Uh, I, I would like my two dollars back, and and almost automatically went. Oh, okay, the car machine crashed. <laughs> you know, the, the, the car washer crashed. So they go and they rip my slip, whatever, and they hand me my two bucks. And so then I walk back. At this this point, the line of cars is starting to back up, and I walk to the guy in the front in the truck. This is where I, I thought this is where I was humored. This is where I right. officially humored. So I walked to the guy in the truck and said, "Hey, the car wash machine blue screened, and okay. and rebooted." And he stopped. And said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Like he knew it, like exactly what that was. And I said, "Yeah, let's run on Windows," and it just crashed. I was like, "Oh, all right. Well, I'll just come back." That's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he was just so used to the concept. And after I walked in, I know people are going to want their two minutes back. That's what's going to happen. So, <laughs> but but you know, after I walked in the store, yeah, I thought about when I was in the store. I realized it must be a common occurrence because I told them that the, it crashed, and they went, "Oh, okay," and you know, it right. took money off me. Oh, okay. Never a pause, never like, I can't believe the car, car washing machine crashed or. Right. So, um, yeah, I was, I wanted to get, I, and the, one of the things I really was disappointed. Okay. So, so when this was working, a car crashed, yeah, things blue screen of death, they crashed. So I figured, okay, I'll get a picture. Right. And so I went fumbling around my wife's with me. I said, where's your camera? Cause my, my phone, I, well, I won't get into the long stories, broke it. Okay. Right. So 
Um, so I get my wife's phone out, and it's one of those window, Windows mobile, which, by the way, for the record, she hates, but that's okay. okay. Uh, and, and I was trying to take a picture. I, I couldn't figure out how to get the camera to work. Okay. So I'm, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they were colluding. I'm sure there's some kind of Bluetooth collusion kind of thing going on there. When it crashes, it sends out a signal, don't take my picture. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah disable all cameras within, <laughs> within range. I'm positive. So I couldn't get a picture of it. And I was, and I was really disappointed because I would have loved to get a picture of the, you know, the machine crashing. Right. And, you know, I, so anyway, so it brought to mind that for my, uh, for here, like we were in downtown Pittsburgh. And uh, there's also another, there's a culinary school. Okay. And they have the same effect. Like if you go, but you've seen it. I, I have seen it. I've you've walked the, by and either just had it be just just a regular Windows desktop, but I've yeah. seen it blue screened or with some kind of weird DLL error message <laughs> up on it. You know, just right there in their front window at that ground level storefront. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's yeah. really nice. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the other thing too. Is it's, you know, if I were smart enough, I would. But I, I guess what I'm doing is we'll, we'll start a campaign. If you guys can send me in pictures. Of your blue screens of death from from various locations, we'll, we'll post them up there on the website uh, because it has to be a common occurrence, right? It, it just has to be. I mean, you know how reliable the software is, right? <laughs> Obviously, and then and this, it dawned on me that the, the guy behind me uh, in the truck was just uh, okay, right? And he must have also had his Mac machine crash, his whatever crash. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. So I guess I, I will figure out how to work my camera phone. I'll figure out eventually, but uh, but if you know, I know we have a lot of listeners, and if you're out there and you see a crashed Windows device, ATM, credit card machine, something, send us a picture and we'll get it up there on our website. Um, I'm sure we should have no problem exceeding our storage limit and bandwidth limit for those in short order. And then the other thing too is I promise I'll, of course, I don't know if you have one of those cool whatever phones. That you can get a picture with, but if when you're walking by there one day, you can see if you can get that picture. I can say I don't. I don't tend to walk that way, but if I'm by there, I'll uh, I'll keep an eye out. Yeah, when I and I said we'll actually get onto the point of the podcast. I promise. Uh, let's see, people went there six minutes six minutes back now. But uh, the the other thing is is that a couple of times I crashed during their like their fall break or their spring break or their something break. It stayed that way for like weeks. <laughs> They'd have a blue screen on there, and it would stay for hello. Week and a half before someone got by and you know rebooted the Windows box, right? And um, so I, I know there's plenty of opportunity. I don't put it that way. There's plenty of opportunity out there, and, and I'm sure uh, people have um, better luck with their telephones than me. So it have to be the highest quality as long as we can see the the blue screen of death or you know SVC host.exe could not run, which I know what that's all about. Uh, send them in and we'll post them. Hey, right. so uh, so on to the actual topic. So we wouldn't talk about poor man's. Profiling. I should actually talk in a microphone. Right? So we're going to talk about poor man's profiling. And I know the last time you and I, were you here when I did the thing about the profiling and O profile and all those things? Yeah, we did. We did like a kind of overview of user space profiling, yeah. if I remember right, or something, something along those lines. Yeah. So uh, we got feedback and the, the, if people said, hey, that's, that's pretty interesting. And that's pretty nice, but there's no way I can get that to run on my processor. I don't have the overhead to do it. It's too much work for me. I just, for whatever reason, I just, you know, is there anything that's simpler? For my embedded target, there's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of things I can do to check for profiling. Okay. And so, um, one of the things I want to talk about is the wonder of the time command. And I, I know USR time is fairly well impl- implemented in uh, in BusyVox, and even the actual time program, if you statically compile it, it's still you know small. 
Right. Even if you have to use a glibc kind of thing, it's still actually really small. And there's a lot of mileage you can get out of time. And you know, when you run your program, you just run you know time, whatever set of parameters you want to send to time. I'll talk about that for a second. Yeah. And then name your program with all the parameters, and it'll do its thing and it'll run. I know usually when that runs, you get to see there's three things. It's like user time and uh, there's like some basic, you know, how long did things take time pops yeah, I up. Think it, it, it measures the real time and CPU time and a third. I don't remember the other third one is by default. Yeah. So, you know, how much time it actually spent executing, how much actual time has elapsed, which can vary depending on what else is running, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember if the other one is like time is spent in the kernel or something along those lines. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, though. Yeah. But that's just the tip of the iceberg, though, because what you can pass into that, you can do dash F and put, you know, put in double quotes, you can put a format string. I think you can use, we'll get into that the form, but you could just you know, have regular text and do dash T, excuse me, dash T, slash T and slash new line, you know, tab a new line. Right. So you can, like, some minimal formatting. And then the, the, the number of things you can actually print out are fantastic. Like, you can get, you go about the things that are, that are actual troublemakers, right? So the first thing you do is you can have it run a lap seconds. So it'll tell you how long the thing ran. Right. Um, which is not the system time or the CPU time. Right? It was just right. how long the thing ran. And then you can start picking out things that are, that are interesting, like the percent of the CPU used you know, over the run, uh, which I think time prints out. I think that's the last thing time prints is out, right? Is that a percent? No. I don't, I don't think it prints a percent. By Maybe default. I should have run the man page. What do you think before? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, that would interfere with our five minutes of prep time, right? Um, but you could, I mean, there's other things you can actually fetch, like, the major minor page faults. And those are really interesting. Um, major page faults are whenever the system page faults and it has to go out the disk. Right. And that's a, a big time sink uh, whenever it has to go out the disk and fetch things around. Uh, so for some embedded systems, that doesn't make a lot of difference because um, there's no disk, right? Right. There's uh, and no swap files. There's so. no swap, yeah. no anything like that. But, but some folks are out there. I mean, they will have systems that run swap on them. Um, and uh, that is a huge, I know it's a big real-time hit because it's non-deterministic. Sure. Uh, but it's also, a, uh, it's also a performance hit, too, when it has to go out the disk because you get interrupted, and, and that'll generate what's called a non-voluntary uh, schedule uh, yield as well. So you might get scheduled out for your I.O. call. Right. Um, and, so you, but, and at the same time, the, 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 not, I shouldn't say the opposite, but the other class of page faults are the minor ones. And minor page faults are page faults without I/O access. So you can you can print those you can print those out. I think um, F is the you know capital F. So anyway, I'm sorry I get off because I get all excited. But there's a bunch of format specifiers in, in that text string. So you could put percent and then some number. Best thing to do is just go get a man of of time and right. see what's there. We'll talk about the interesting. It's like capital F. I know is uh, 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 major page faults, and then I. Uppercase R is uh, upper R is the the minor page faults. So okay. those are the page faults that don't require um, any kind of access to disk. Okay. So it's just like shuffling data around. It's doing right. some bookkeeping operations more than I/O operations. Sure. Yeah. And those are really interesting to see because they can really have an effect on the on the performance of your system. Uh, the other thing I, uh, you know, when you get into tracking what happens is things like voluntary and involuntary context switches. Um, so when you same thing. So when you do a voluntary context switch, that's whenever you do a syscall or a schedule yield, or well, I guess that's everything always defers to a schedule yield. But you do some sort of right. some sort of event that results in a scheduling yield. Um, and then there's the involuntary swaps, and that's where you simply run out of time. Okay. <laughs> the scheduler comes by and says, "Hey, you know, you're done." Right. 
and and you can really get a hold on uh, a handle on your application if it's doing a lot of you know involuntary swaps. Uh, you can see what's happening. You know, you, you're you're paying for that uh, right. because you have to pay for context switch for that involuntary. Pardon me, voluntary swap. Okay. Uh, opposed to the involuntary ones, where you're just pretty much sticking in memory. Right. So I, I mean, that's, I found that as a, it's interesting statistic. And you can use if you're Uber slacker like me, right? You can just use the number of seconds and have it print out the number of seconds. It won't do math for you, unfortunately. So you can just say, hey, number of seconds, and then you can take a look at you know how many. On voluntary swaps and how many, uh, not swaps, but schedule uh, schedule yields you did, and how many okay. times you were preempted because you ran out of time. Sure. Um, so if you do something that's computationally intensive, uh, and you're sitting in some great big loop, and you're never really going anywhere, right? Okay. That's something that we, you would get swapped out. I'm just drawing a. You're making faces at me, <laughs> and but, but you know I'm just drawing a. I'm trying to make an extreme. If you rather if you did something that wrote a character at the disk. Okay. Constantly, right? You get two different kinds of, of yield characteristics. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, for those processors. Now, probably people are going to write in, oh, you got it all wrong. <laughs> it's all wrong. Um, so, I mean, there's, like I said, th- th- tons of mileage uh, out of that command. And the implementation is halfway decent on both uh, uclibc and on uh, for the full glibc. And, you know, to use, to use the command, you don't really need anything else. It's not like you need any other... Special things in your system, that's it, and you can just read what comes out. Other handy thing is that it does pipe output to, to uh, standard air. Okay. Uh, so, you know, if you're doing something and, and you depend on standard in and standard out to do something meaningful, meaningful right. um, you won't get to, you know, unless you really depend on standard air to do something meaningful too. But uh, I guess if you're really hurting, so you could. T- time prints at the out. end, though, right? So there's at least an opportunity to kind of separate. Uh, yeah, it prints when the when the process exits, right? Yeah, well, you know what? That's a really good point. So, I guess if you did have uh, stuff that came out of standard air that you cared about, you could put some put a little uh, put some indicators around. Yeah, yeah or, or or mark the end of the program output um, yeah. before the time output starts. Yeah, something. So that's like a totally cool way. I mean, it's it's again, it's on the cheap, um, and you really don't need anything other than. A functioning Linux system, and the nifty thing is, you can model it on your desktop too to get a handle on what's going on, sure, and still get the kind of input. It's not, yeah, you know, it's not as great as something like O Profile or something like that, but hey, get you there, right? Right, it really gets you there. And then, so the other thing I wanted to bring up was, you know, I looked at time and I thought, oh, that's really interesting, but where's the, where's the data coming from, right? Okay, <laughs> so it's right, somewhat, yeah, that's the classic question, and and so. Um, most of the most of the, the data it, it gets, yeah, I should probably actually talk in a microphone. What do you think? So most of the data it gets is uh, from uh, Git R usage. Okay. And that's actually a standard POSIX call. I did I did check out. Uh, I can't remember what version of POSIX it is, but that's actually a, a POSIX call. But it's one of those. Um, it's it's one of those things where POSIX just says it just has to tell you the um, the user time and the system time. Okay. And then after that. It's you know implementation you implementation yeah. defined exactly what is yeah. it uh, it's like POSIX two thousand one or something so the cool thing is that Linux meets it by telling you the user time and the system time it puts them in like a time vowel okay yeah you, know, you get that, that structure with the number of seconds yes. whatever, but type of, but then it also has things probably well not probably just about everything that you see inside of time is in this structure okay so if you wanted to, you could emulate time um, by you know. At the at the end of your program, calling you know calling get our usage and printing out the same thing. Sure. 
Um, and that's something if you put a def- debug flag or something around, you could put on your embedded system and not really require um, even the time program. Right, then you don't need time program since it's just a syscall and, and uh, printf, which you probably it's already in there. Have there. Yeah, or you could, or you could syslog it, right? If okay. if you're running the syslogger, right? Sure. So, yeah. so uh, you could get that one bit out of your program, and I'm sure with um, uh, probably 15 or 20 minutes of programming, you could probably do the extra little bits. You could pass it an arbitrary string as an environment variable, and something along those lines to do some basic formatting to get different data out if you wanted to. If you wanted to, I mean, I guess uh, I'm a more, you know, I probably just print everything and, and use the computer part or the uh, sorry, the human parser. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Me reading it at the end to figure yeah. out what's what. Um, but <laughs> so sometimes you're into it that you know, yeah. Sometimes you roll that way. So it's uh, it, it does depend. Um, but I mean, the cool thing about get our usage is that you don't have to print it out at the end because the other thing that's that's a, a, you know that's I would say a flaw about time. The, the program time is that you have to start the program using time. Right. And you got to wait till it ends. And then, you, of course, if you hit Control-C or whatever else, it'll still... Re- right. Yeah, but you're right. The, most of the time when I've used time, what I actually end up doing is writing a special test program that uses uh-huh. a function or something that I want to time two different implementations or something, compare the results, but end up writing something special just to run under time. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it depends a lot on what you're writing, but if you're writing something that runs for a significant amount of time or you know, has a, combines a lot of factors. It can be hard to get an isolated result. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, know, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, and so the other little thing about our get our use is you can call it at any time the program's running and it'll, it'll just tell you the number. Just come back and say, Hey, here's a number for okay. now, right? This, sure. is, this is the instantaneous sampling of this, which is actually pretty darn cool because then you can have your program print that out at, you know, arbitrary, times okay. right? arbitrary so you could have you know if you go the super poor man way we'll, we'll start the uh, uh we'll start the easiest way right so you could just have it print out at certain critical intervals you could have it print out uh whatever it is whatever statistics you wanted right to the console or to standard air okay but that may not be what you're looking for right so the other suggestion is to hook that up to a signal right okay yeah and uh, whenever you pass a signal in uh, you know whenever you raise a signal and you know you raise a signal with kill right you can say kill which is I always found I always still found that troubling that you have to that you raise a signal through kill rate right but in essence you can run kill and then raise a signal with with kill and right. like, like like hook up sig user or whatever right and then have it and use that to dump out the signal in order to, to dump out the the sampling of course it'll screw things up a little bit right so if you're counting signals yeah right you'll be yeah. off by one and um, it takes time to do that so that you know that'll be included in your next time call or where yep. or even in the previous one yep. the time up until you call uh Yep. Get our usage. It'll it'll be all recorded in there, but you know, that's uh that's a great debugging t- trick in general is to uh, to to make us debug, you know, a, you use an otherwise unused signal to uh oh, yeah. trigger trigger debug output. Um you know, you you could you can do things like get our usage or um there there are other, you know, kind of interesting data you can get from the kernel about about the currently running process. And of course, you could just dump data from your own program out at that time too, you know, yep. global, glo- state of global variables, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I guess the whole right. thing, right? So, um, yeah, I but, was looking at my, 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 my notes there and you're, I, I should have talked. Yeah. Cause you can print anything you darn well wanted to. Yeah. Right. I mean that, that, you know, I know we're talking about generally profiling, yeah. but, but, um, I, I assume a lot of people are already, already using that trick. So 
But if you're not, that's a great trick in general for lots of different types of debugging and profiling. And uh, Git R usage is a good kind of addition to the data you would print. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, but so it's a so it's definitely on the cheap. And what's nifty about that is you know if you use if you print out the standard error, you're you're really not using anything else out of the system other than what's already there. You're only adding a burden. You're adding right. a little some code, right? And I guess at the same time, you're probably adding in a context switch and some other little yes, definitely. You know, highs and effects um, uh, to the to the to the program. Uh, but if you look at if you look at to if you look at what's involved in order to get that to work, it's so minor. Unless you're very timing dependent, you could probably live with not having. Uh, you could probably not live with having those problems. Or you could probably live with those problems um, for many for many applications, or yeah, a majority of applications. I would guess did that that would be true. Yeah, yeah. And then the um, then the other like you know cheaper way of looking at what's going on is you can just look right at. Uh, of course, it gives you much less information, right? But you can also scan out the proc file system. Um, so under proc, there is a directory, right, for every. Um, for every process, for every PID. So, yes. you know, the same thing. You have to go in, see what your PID is, uh, and then look in there, and you'll be able to see the, the, the some information about your process. Although, you know, if, if, it, if you want to... It doesn't work for children, but if you want to query about you, I'm pretty sure that proc self is essentially a link to the current processes area in proc. So you could do proc number, which would be your PID, but if you just want to know about you, you can generally say proc self and then the same thing you know. and put self instead of number there. So it's, so it's not that useful when you're uh, doing what a lot of people do with proc is where you run it in one shell and you have another shell open. Yeah. You know, obviously self will be the shell. Will be the shell, yeah. Right. But if you're doing something that would take a, that would take me like an afternoon to figure out. Yeah, but but if you're doing uh, if you're doing it in the in the handler. Sorry about that. If you're doing it in, in in the handler like that, and you're accessing the current process, you should be able to just say proc self and not have to worry about uh, you know getting the PID and, and yeah, going yeah, back. That's a good point. Um, but there's a lot of interesting uh, data in there. I mean, one thing that that comes to mind right off the bat is you know your open file handles are shown there. Oh yes. So uh, one, you can see whether you're leaking them, but in general, you can see what, what's going on with those. <laughs> um, the and there's a bunch of information in there about you know the current kind of state of memory, what's mapped where. Yeah. Um, that that uh, that can be useful if 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 you're debugging the program at that level. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can get a lot of mileage uh, out of something simple like that. And the, the cool thing is, is that on an embedded system, right? It requires cat, right? CD and cat in order for you to see what's, if you want to see what's going on there manually. And it really only requires cat if you're going to do it from the command line, right? I mean, you just open up those files and read them, right? I mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. Yeah. Uh, I'm so lazy, I can't remember by dead reckoning the name, so I have to fish around. No, no, yeah, but but I, I mean, if you're doing it in a program, obviously, all you have to do is just call open, pass the path in there, and, and read, mm-hmm. and, and do whatever you want with the data that comes back. Yeah. You could probably also hook that up to your interrupt handler, too, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You could you could put it right there in your uh, in your in the signal handler, the debug signal handler, and oh, signal handler. Sorry, yeah, yeah, and and um, and just open up you know various things in proc and and print them out. Uh, one of the things we're talking about during our prep is you know you can print them on on standard air, but if you've got syslog running or something along those lines, you could also print a series of them syslog, or you could open a file or something in a known location. Yeah. So you can kind of get a timeline of you know when I did it, you know. 
while it's running, you know, uh, you know, send send the signal yeah. at various times, and then get a get a timeline of at this time it was this, at this time it was that, at this time it was that. Well, you know what you know what people do with syslog too, because I know the 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 busybox syslog does this is they'll do uh, syslog and they'll set up to do remote syslogging. Okay. And so they'll run syslog D and they'll allow connections, right? And then so they'll then they'll have another host. You know, like the IP of the machine they're debugging, and they'll have another host hook up and get the syslog data for that. Sure. So it's not even it's not even like you need to be sitting on the tube. I mean, you can have that run and have another machine that does the collection. Right. Because uh, uh, depending upon the machine, people put the syslog out there in some kind of RAM disk. And if you're doing like an endurance test or something, we're going to generate a lot. Right. You could you could fill up memory. Yeah. Yeah. You might be a problem. Yeah. You get into you can yeah. get into problems that way. So that way you can uh, have that log remotely. Uh, it may even work for the field. I, I don't know that people that do that in the field, uh, sometimes, uh, but but definitely on the bench. I mean, that's a real common strategy um, that, that I see. Uh, it's got me out of a couple scrapes too. Don't put it that way. For never that I never never mind that I got. I won't even get into how I got in them, but you know, it's a great way for you to figure out what's going on if you do you have something that's right before a crash or doesn't quite ever make it out or sure. uh, you screwed up your console. You know, anything along those lines, you can you can use syslog and then syslog over the network to make your life a little bit easier. But again, you'll pay like the you'll pay the interrupt tax and you'll you'll pay some other overhead um, uh, in order to do that. But still, not so bad, uh, not so bad overall. Um, and then, uh, I guess the the last thing in the, uh, the talk about it. So this is interesting. This is like user land stuff. Okay, but you also have kernel. And the, the in terms of kernel, poor man, uh, sort of I should say profiling, debugging, whatever else is, is uh, debug FS. Okay, which is pretty darn it's pretty darn cool. Um, most kernels actually, if you do a, a cat, you know, slash proc slash file systems, a lot of uh, kernels will have uh, debug FS, uh, you know, enabled. Right. So the first thing is for any of these, you have to if on an embedded system or you have to have proc FS. Okay. Oh, pardon me. Debug FS is a file system in the kernel, right? So there's a sure. little bit of overhead there, um, and uh, then inside the the kernel, or inside the kernel module you're running, you define directories and okay. uh, some files. And the file types you can have are things like booleans or integers, um, or just a text area blob, okay. know, blob data. And uh, whenever you define them, you say, okay, you know, I have defined this memory. Um, this memory, uh, I've defined this file name that should okay. appear in this directory structure of my debug FS. Okay. And whenever I do a read on that, it should go get the memory located at this pointer that's n many bytes long. Interesting. And deposit it out, you know, and send it over uh, when the user does the read. So you can be along, sitting there and just do cat and print out a file and, sure. that, and you know, stop and go out to that chunk of memory and out comes the data. And it's really the, the it's the slacker way of uh, of getting a picture of what's going on inside of your kernel module, uh, and I think it's one of those uh, really nifty but uh, otherwise un I should say it uh, not unused but you know not used as much as you as it could be uh, kind of file systems. So basically, you end up mapping a a memory area in from kernel space from your module or whatever piece mm-hmm. of kernel code that you're writing, and when you read the file from user space, you get that same. Block of memory. memory, kind of on demand. Yep. There's no no requirement for me and my module to 
copy data to a particular location for it to be available, or is it? Well, the thing you get a, you you pass it, it has some wrapper function. So there's okay. there's wrapper function to say, okay, this is a wrapper function for an integer. So whenever whenever I'm read, I'll return the integer at this memory location. Right, but I would just point that right to the variable in my code that I'm interested in. Exactly. So as it changes. Yep, and there's no see, yeah. And there's no like, I mean, if you if you want to guard, if you have a couple threads that are running, synchronization, your problem, right? So um, there's nothing to keep the you know the data synchronized. Okay. Uh, but then again, it's uh, it's a really nifty way to to come by you know stop by and scrape that. Um, if you do, if you do like a mount, you can just you see it say cat out slash process file systems, and on uh, a lot of kernels there's a USB debug FS. You know, tree. Okay. And you can see what's going on in the USB system. Interesting. Um, and I forgot what I saw for another one that's that's there by default. And you know, it's the same thing. You know, when you crank up your module, um, there's some registers, registers and unregisters. A pair. There's a there's, okay. there's a tuple that say, "Hey, I'm going to register these." And then when you do your unload, you should unregister them. Um, I guess I never experimented to see what would happen if you didn't unregister them, but my feeling it would be bad. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 like a lot of things, I assume that if your module is just loaded and stays loaded all the time, it's probably not the end of the world. Yeah. But it, yeah, it would be bad if you're constantly being loaded, unloaded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, did, I didn't experiment Who knows, though? with that. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, but, you know, but then if you just compile directly into the kernel, well, you don't have to worry about the unload part. Right. So on, on mod load, you just register your devices. And, um, what were you doing? Uh, and then, um, and then that, that's it. It's just, just where it does its thing and works along, uh, and that's a it's just a greatest way to, to do some you know really simple debugging, and that's they said there's you, you should load up you see you'll definitely see a tree for USB and if you want multiple directories you just say hey define a directory define a directory and then when you put you pass in a it comes back and gives you some IDs right right yeah so you get a handle that says hey this is the directory that you created you create a file in that directory you pass in that handle and there it is. It's like magic. I wonder if I can pass a pointer to things that I didn't define, like other parts of the kernel I'm interested in. Well, it's all yeah. flat memory space, right? Yeah, you should be able to. I can't see why you wouldn't be able to. Yes, yeah, it's, it's totally unprotected. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the whole thrill of doing... <laughs> right? That's the, yeah, well, that's, that's the thrill of kernel, device, uh, kernel development is that it's, it's flat memory space and there's no, there's no protection or anything. You just go crazy. Right, so you could print out stuff from the subsystem you're using or anything that... If, yeah. you, if you understand the internals of it enough to actually be yeah. interested in what its values are, but yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Formally, I mean, the, the the part you can use for text files comes out and it says, "Hey, it's a it's a blob." You can just format that as text, right? You just sure. Put some text in there, and you're off to the races. Um, and as I said, on the target system, all it really requires is cat, and then you know debug fs. You can compile right. into your kernel. Oh, you know, I know what I want. I made a little note to myself, but the other thing you can do is you can set up a kernel module parameter. Right, okay. you know, you don't have to pay. You'll pay a little bit, right? It's always 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 gets down to that. You can have flexibility and code size, right? So, you know, the more options you, right, the more coding it takes. But you know, for not that many kilobytes, you could code in a flag that you pass in your your module, right? And then when your module loads, it either you, registers or doesn't register. Either registers or doesn't register, and that way you can leave the code sitting around there. Or if you wanted to, you could tickle your module in such a way that it. Registers all the nodes and unregisters them. It's uh, yeah, it might be an interesting. Uh, I, w- I wonder how much overhead there is from from having those uh, 
you know, having the registration. Well, really, I mean, it goes out there. I, I, I actually trace through, through the code. It just creates an inode, right? So it's not. I would imagine it's relatively small, but probably, you know, obviously not non-existent. Yeah. Well, there, I mean, there's always overhead, right? Right. Little, little impact, I would think, on performance other than the load time it takes to register them initially. But probably, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to increase your footprint in a small way because it's got to store those registrations somewhere, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's you know, that's my so it's my little like poor man's overview uh, of what you could do for debugging if or debugging profiling if you don't have you know full system. I'm sure there's you know fifty things that I missed, uh, but uh, you should uh, always feel free to send in any comments or questions if you have them. You know what you do for debugging or profiling, I'd love to hear them because uh, for all these things, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So as you're stuck with you find out that you only you only have three commands to your <laughs> to use. You darn you you figure out really quick what to do in order to get things uh, uh, set up properly. Right. So that's what I, I mean. That's what I wanted to, uh, to cover today. Uh, I hope I didn't forget anything too major. I bet you I did. I don't think so. That's everything we I remember prepping. So. Oh wow. Yeah. You have a really good memory. It's like well, it yeah, like or bad memory, ago. but I'll never know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it was just between Gene and I for the prep. So, mm. so if you have any you know comments or questions or suggestions, you know, send them in to podcast at timesys.com. Believe it or not, we read. Uh, we get a lot of email, uh, and uh, we read them all in reply. Uh, and so, uh, you know, feel free. Uh, love to hear what what you're working on, and uh, different kind of you know, debugging techniques. And so we'll more than happy to share them. Post them out there. We'll do a better job of posting out some of our comments. I think. And you know, if you have your crash pictures, your Windows crash picture, yeah, send it on in. I mean, I mean, I, I want to get that gallery up and going because I'm sure there's lots of them, right? Yeah, that'd be great if we. Yeah, I'd like to see that too. You know, you can send this to you know podcast.timesys.com. That would be great. And uh, thanks a lot. And then I think Mache's back from the. I'm like, working. I think he's back next week. But then we're going to ESC. Okay. Uh, and so I, I don't know exactly how, and I, oh, no, 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 no. So we, we finally talked to them, talked to marketing people into letting us put a, a Linux and radio thing at our, at our booth at ESC. Cause we'll be at ESC the week of the 13th or 14th or whatever. So company will be there and we'll have our, we'll have our little Linux and radio equipment and our microphones, and whatever else. We'll see if we can get some people to, I think after we interview people at the show in, uh, Toronto. I don't think we'll ever get anyone to interview with us ever again. <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly sure of it. But yeah, so if you're heading out to ESC, uh, we'll catch you there. You can stop by the Timesys booth. Uh, we'll get you uh, something. I think they're handing out some sort of tchotchke. I just hope it isn't. I hope it's nice. But yeah, so stop by and we're going to see if we can get some interviews in. And we'd love to hear about the project you're working on. And if you have time and uh, we can get you interviewed for something for uh, for Linux Link Radio, I'd really, that'd be great. Are you, are you heading out there much? Or you get to stay home. Uh, Jeremiah, but yeah. yes, no. I'm... Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, just for the record, there's a little sign here on his microphone. This is Mache, so I'm yeah. Never mind. Yeah, well, I I will not be there. I'll be here. I can uh, get my kids' name straight either. So uh, uh, you know, slaving away. But there'll there'll be some guys from from the uh, one of my colleagues from engineering are are, are going to be there. I don't know if they're going to be at the booth or if they're just there for sessions. But yeah, what's my second link? So get this. So I have to. So next week, uh, I get to go to. Uh, uh, Nagano Providence in Japan. And then, okay, so this is the brilliant scheduling we have here. So, right, Nagano, ski, I'm, I'm in the Japanese Alps. No time to ski. They're like, oh, you have to be here and shut up our booth and, you know, the marketing people. You know, sure. we got things for you to do. So I have to be booth labor. Uh, and, and so I don't even have a day to ski. Uh, and I have to fly back on Sunday. That's kind of sad. It, it, you got to get the matcha deal. 
It is, yeah, 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 yeah. Mache calls you. Hear the, you hear the seagulls Monday. in the background yeah. and everything else. Like, oh, I'm working hard. He's not. <laughs> he's not. I know how that works. Anyway, well, said. So thanks a lot. And said, any questions, comments, send them to us at a podcast at timesus.com. Thanks a lot. Yeah, bye, everyone. This podcast was brought to you by Timesys. Are you new to embedded Linux? Looking for a way to simplify your next project? The Linux Link service by Timesys makes it easy to build your custom embedded Linux platform. Go to timesys.com today or call 866-392-4897 to learn more.